What's up, guys? This is the Convinced Christianity Podcast. Almost forgot the name there. <laughs> this is our first podcast, and I just want to explain to you, introduce to you what this podcast will be about. Um, if I had to give it a genre, I guess I would say that the genre is religion, um, religion and worldviews. Um, it'll be heavy on Christian apologetics and theology, uh, obviously, since that is my worldview. Um, and I do believe that is the uh, most accurate worldview. Um, so that explains everything around us. And um, so obviously that's my perspective and we'll be getting a lot of that. But I also want to have people on the show that don't necessarily agree with that worldview and just have open discussions. Uh, I think there's a lot we can learn from having open discussions with those that don't think and view the world the same way we do. And uh, like I said, it'll be really heavy in apologetics and theology. Um, and I'll have a lot of other people on there on this podcast that will um, also have a lot of background in that as well and give a lot of insight. Um, today, I do want to get into a topic that um, I posted a, a post yesterday to kind of gauge what people want us to talk about, uh, what questions people want us to answer about Christianity. And uh, today, I'm going to bring on my girlfriend, my beautiful girlfriend, Marjorie Graves, and uh, we'll hear from her as well today on this topic. Uh, so Marjorie, say hello. Hello, everybody. All right. Awesome. Um, so again, like I said earlier, I posted a comment or um, a post on Facebook um, to figure out what are some of the questions and concerns that people have about Christianity and what would they like us to address and discuss. And my buddy Lucas um, commented and he said he has a big problem. Excuse me. That's my computer is a big problem with the amount of contradictory things in the Bible. Uh, one part of the Bible will say do X and another part will say X is a horrible sin. Um, so I, I guess if I had to, he goes on to explain that because it was very vague. And But I just want to right off the bat say this. Um, I don't think there are any contradictions in the Bible. That is my worldview. That is my experience. And I do think that I've read the Bible enough um, uh, extensively and in depth to come to that conclusion. Um, and so that, that's what I'll say right off the bat. And then we'll get into some of the other things that, that Lucas, um, puts forth here. But Marjorie, what do you think about that initial comment? So I don't think that the Bible has, um, any contradictions as well. I think that God explains himself through the scriptures, um, and other parts of the Bible that give you a clear understanding that he doesn't contradict himself. Yeah. So just understanding who God is and his nature really helps, um, understand his word and it really helps understand why. Certain things that may come across as contradictory, and I think, again, understanding God's nature um, helps us to see these things clearer and for what they are, um, and maybe not as actual contradictions. Um, but Lucas goes on to say, because um, people did re uh, respond to Lucas kind of asking for um, a more clear or, or a specific example here. And he said it's more, this is Lucas speaking, he said it's more of the idea of God being all about forgiveness and love but yet request undying loyalty. Um, now, my response to that is I don't really see the contradiction there. I don't really see how God being loving and forgiving and, and providing that grace that he's given us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done on the cross, um, I don't really see a contradiction. Why wouldn't God ask us for that after giving everything for us? And so I just don't see the contradiction. I think if you do receive that love, you do receive that grace, why wouldn't you want to be loyal to God? Why wouldn't you want to be um, undyingly loyal to God? 
Um, so I don't really see the contradiction there. I, I guess if I had to read into that a little bit deeper, I I could see your implication possibly might be that, you know, if you're not loyal, you know, God's going to bring down, you know, his wrath on you. I just don't see that in the Bible, um, anywhere in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Um, so uh, I think there's a way of being undyingly loyal, um, even in our sin. I mean, we're all sinners, so um, I still believe we're all loyal to God and we're all followers of Christ even still um, and we still receive his forgiveness and we still receive his love so I don't really see the contradiction there yeah so Marjorie how would you answer this question um so when I think about what he said in regards to God being all forgiving and loving but yet still requests his undying loyalty um I think about um, something I recently read I think either first or second Samuel where David made a mess of himself um, in regards to committing adultery with what was her name? Uh, Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Um, in regards to sleeping with her and getting her pregnant. And his way out of that was, oh, I'll kill the husband in war. Um, and that should solve it. Um, but it didn't. And God found out and he revealed it through a messenger and basically told David, I've forgiven you, but you still suffer the consequences of your actions. Um, and even in still that, David still is considered a man after God's own heart, even though right. he went through or suffered because of his wrongdoings, he still gave God his, you know, he still gave God his loyalty, he still gave God his passion because he knew who God is. God is just and he's fair. He wouldn't give something to David that he didn't deserve. Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely true. Um, so uh, we'll move on to the next point. Uh, Lucas actually goes on to say that God also suggests that certain things are beyond saving. And he says, for example, the great flood. Um, and so I, I guess for this, I wouldn't say that God is suggesting that they're beyond saving. Um, I mean, for being honest and being real, he could have sent Jesus to die on the cross or to, to pay the debt of sin, right, back then. Um, he very well could have done that. <clears throat> but I think that God was doing something bigger than that. I don't think God was uh, just out to reconcile us back to himself, Um you know, because God is for his own glory. So I think that's important um, to, to note and to understand. But he wasn't just trying to reconcile us back to himself. I think he was also trying to allow us to flourish and prosper, even on this side of heaven. And, and for in order for us to do that, God had to um, wipe out humanity and kind of start over. Um, I think that God knew that this world was down a, a bad track. And um, the Bible says that, these people were um, continually wicked, and that is why God uh, decided to bring the flood and bring the judgment um, upon the earth, upon all living things, because um, death had entered this world. And uh, even even further, I think another point to Lucas's uh, objection here um, is the Canaanite objection. I think the Canaanite objection is a lot of times seen as God being um, con contradictory to um, the things that he preaches. Um, if you don't know what the, con the Canaanite objection is, it's simply just that the Canaanites were this group of people um, that were inhabiting the land that was promised to Israel. And God commanded the Israelites to utterly destroy the Canaanites. And so a lot of people will take that as, well, God told these same Israelites, do not murder. It was on the Ten Commandments. And yet he instructs the Israelites to take out the Canaanites. 
And so how is that not a contradiction? Well, I've heard it um, said this way. I read an article from Tim Stratton uh, a few weeks ago because I was interested in this myself, actually, um, and what the answer and, and the response is to the subjection. And he makes a good point. Um, emotionally, you know, you just want to be like, well, God, you know, you're a hypocrite, you know. But if you actually take time to, to bring your emotions down um, and think about it logically and think about it intellectually, it actually is not contradicting at all. Um, God is the lawgiver. Um, the law is not for God and the law is for humanity. You know, God doesn't need a law to keep him in check. He, you know, that law is to keep us in check because we are inherently wicked. And so he, Tim Stratton gave this example of, you know, we have this law called a speed limit. You know, say we're going down 42 and I believe, you know, what is it, like 65 miles per hour or whatever. And, you know, obviously we have to follow that law. But there are, you know, in extreme situations, there are certain people who can kind of bypass that law, right? And those are police officers, you know, ambulances and fire trucks. So, I, I mean, that's a great example. They're kind of, yes, they, they follow this law because it is, um, you know, it's for everybody else's safety. But so is they're bypassing the law when they are trying to put out a fire or when they're trying to get to somebody who's, uh, having you know a health uh, situation or um, even you know a better point you know when somebody a police officer is chasing somebody going 100 miles per hour on 42 um, I mean you can't catch somebody going 100 miles per hour if you're going 65 right so <laughs> like that doesn't work um, so I, I think that's just an example of you know God saying one I'm the one that gave you this law and it's for you to stay in your lane um, and even even here, if you think about it this way, like, uh, why can't God take life? Like, I don't think taking life is necessarily evil in itself. Um, I honestly believe biblically this is the picture it paints that that taking life of itself is not evil, but it's it's when you have a wicked heart and there's hate in your heart, and it's just a possibility for humans to do it unjustly. And because, I mean, God takes life, right? He's the one that chooses when our life is over on this earth. Um, and so that's not necessarily evil. And, um, you know, and to even further that point, I don't want to ramble on too long, but to further that point, I mean, you look at adultery. Adultery is on the Ten Commandments, right? It's wrong to commit adultery. Um, but it doesn't say sex is wrong. It literally says adultery wrong, which is what? It's using sex without of its outside of its intended context. Yeah, right. It. So... It's. I think that's the paint, the picture that it paints here. Um, so that's. What do you think about the Marjorie? I know that was kind of a lot, and this is kind of deep stuff uh, about Tim Stratton here. But no, think I think that's it? perfect. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like God, like the law wasn't meant for God to follow too. <laughs> yeah. He made the law so that we wouldn't do things outside of His will and in our own power because. We're powerless on our own, and we, right. we shouldn't be. We shouldn't have the ability to make those decisions on our own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the and the question was posed here um, by Tim Stratton. You know, is it objectively wrong for God to issue a law that we ought to follow, and then tell us to do something different in a specific situation? And so we just answered that. You know, and I don't think that's a contradiction, although on the surface it may seem that way. Um, I honestly believe that's a good. You know, or, uh, the point that. Uh, the example that Tim Stratton gave, you know, uh, was a great uh, 
indication of why that's not a contradiction. Um, and also, just a simple simple point here, uh, another, another way to put it um, is this thing called the bedtime fallacy. And what that is is essentially like, you know, a parent will put their child to sleep and say, you need to go to bed by 9 o'clock. Um, but then that parent is not beholden to that rule to say that, they, oh, then now, you know, my child goes to bed at 9 o'clock. That's the rule of the house. That means the parents got to go to bed at 9 o'clock. That's not how it works. The parent tells the child to go to sleep at 9 o'clock and... You know, that parent can stay up as long as they want uh, because that rule is in place for the child's safety. That rule isn't, um, or more so health and, and sanity. Um, but it's essentially the same thing here. The authority has that, that power to do so. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I was going to mention, actually, I think that's really important what you said about the bedtime. What was the bedtime? Bedtime fallacy. Fallacy. Um, because... The kid isn't res- like isn't expected to have the responsibility over themselves to make decisions on their sure. own, and God doesn't expect us to do that. God just expects us to follow the law, and I think that for me, I will feel like that's a breath of fresh air. Like I don't have to decide yeah. to do anything because, yeah. you know, like because everything's already figured out. Like I just follow the law, right? And I'm in, yeah, especially in our I, infancy, like we're just so powerless, uh, you know, without God. So uh, that'll do it for this first podcast. Um, This is the Convinced Christianity Podcast, and we thank you for joining us. Um, Please check back with us. Hopefully, we'll have another podcast up soon. Hopefully, we'll keep these up uh, pretty frequently. So, uh, Marjorie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we hope you'll check back for our next podcast.